Well, I don't just go with the one that tells me what I want to hear and, uh, <laughs> and assume that one's right. And mm. sometimes it is, and then I'm stoked. But sometimes it mm -hmm. isn't. It's mm -hmm. an inexact science. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, but you're not using the same apps that you used in Alaska for there, right? Because it's just a different situation. Well, no, it's a universal app. It's just telling me where the auroral oval is. And then uh, it's all the same data from the satellite. So you can get it from multiple different apps. And it's mostly, they just give you the information in different ways. It's all the same info, just packaged differently. And so some of them will have more graphic interface that's if you just want to glance and see what it's doing and then i guess here in churchill we have the added advantage of having the webcam so technically i don't have to put on pants to know if the aurora is out i can just pull that app up on my phone be watching yellowstone or whatever and be like oh aurora's out you don't care about the kp index right no not at all actually we we prefer lower kp yeah so I think the best, one of the best shows I've ever seen was a KP2 uh, here in Churchill. But there are so many other things that, that go into it um, that, so people get stoked when they see a, a high BZ number, or excuse me, a KP number, um, because it's basically an indicator of how far north and south you can see the lights. So like a KP7, if you're in Seattle, you should be stoked like that. You might be able to see it from, you know, Northern Washington, Montana, Minnesota, places like that. But here in Churchill, I, we've had great shows at 0 0.3, 0 0.67 KP. Uh, so, and honestly, if we had like a seven or an eight, it blows the Aurora to the Southern sky. Like usually here we see it coming, it comes from the East or the Northeast. Uh, but if we get one of those big KPs, we actually start looking South for it. So you'll still see it. It's just in the Southern sky. It's just in this, which opens up a whole different uh, realm of foreground elements. Then you can go out on the river and the river ice is super cool with the Aurora dancing overhead. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's fun. Every, every show is so different. And I try to tell people that before they get here. And then, you know, you come and you have four or five, six nights of Aurora and it is this every show is completely different and you never quite there. There are all these apps for predicting and yet nothing beats just going and waiting for it. <laughs> Old school. You do care about the KP index and you actually do want a high number because it gives you a whole different look, outlook on what you're able to shoot. We can work with whatever. <laughs> it just makes it even more versatile. So if it's a point three, that's fine. It'll be great. If it's a seven, that's great. We can work with that too. So I guess it's the best of both worlds. Well, I'll ask you a couple more questions in the show because then we can talk about it. But I'll throw this in the show too. So, Brandon, you got anything before we get started? Do we want to roll that idea out of homework? I thought it might be good to do wild and exposed homework, right? So for the listeners <clears throat> throughout there, once a week, like I want to see you all using rule of thirds. So tag hashtag w e homework with your rule of thirds compositions or something like that or i wanted to see separation of backgrounds this week or something like that or do we want to refine that and throw it out next week yeah we should probably build a page for it we could do a what's up page and then refer to it and kind of explain what we're doing and then and then we could show the pictures there 
the you know the but I think it's a good idea. I mean, the way we the more we can get audiences involved, the better. I think so. That would be kind of, and I think there'd be a certain portion of people out there that would dig having a little assignment to go do Sasquatch photos. Yeah, just how blurry you can get them. <laughs> Make it blurry. Call it art. Actually, you know what? I there there's and there is a market for this. Well, not a market, not nothing monetary or anything like that. But I want to see the photos that everybody's got thousands of that were almost awesome. <laughs> you know, the ones of the like the bear like running at you and the, it's like one blade of grass in sharp focus like right in front of the bear or like uh you know the uh, like the aurora ben shot story, with the but... one power line going right through it. <laughs> You know, we could try that. I could see trying that one out of this for first podcast where we just throw it out there as as though it's like a homework or, homework or an assignment type situation. But go through your archives and pull out that one image that was almost there and then just, what, tag us on Instagram? Yeah, just tag uh, W-E homework, wild and exposed homework. Well, let me just look up that hashtag before I say that. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, it's probably couples therapy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny because OMD, you know, Olympus is now OMD. And OMD is also, I guess, a band. So if you go to the hashtag OMD on Instagram, it's like half band pictures and half like birds from people's backyards. Okay, we're good. There's fewer than a 100 posts, so we're good. And then I guess what we'll do is we'll post. I don't know. How do we do it? Do we post those images on the on what's up i was probably just gonna grab them and throw them in our story and do it that way when they post them for that day oh pull them to a right. reel yeah i could and then just like tunk, 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 and compile it all in the next week or month or something how long do we want to let it run i guess every week right if we have a new new assignment every week i guess we can try it for two or three weeks and see if anybody does it Oh, I got like a whole list already built. Yeah, well, we I think having a list is great, but just are we going to get people to play? Well, and the question is, do we want to have any teaching around it, right? Any what? Teaching. Like you guys had the, like the, you had the composition one before on here. You had the aperture and separation of background, like the whole F8 isn't F8, right? Do you want to have a little... I don't want like 30 minutes of it, but like five minutes of explaining the golden spiral, the golden ratio and all those things. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think you could do that as part of a reel too. Right. But I also like, that's the point of the homework. Like they need to go figure it out so that they, they're thinking about it to get better. Cause there's no better way to learn than to have to figure something out yourself. And then put it out for the world to, to criticize yeah yeah well let's try it who cares who cares and the 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 idea of i think for a first one that isn't real super technical it's just the photo that could have been although this happened and we want to know why what happened that made it not great yeah my favorite elk picture is like this majestic bugle he's got his head back at like mid bugle and he's got this Big thing of pine needles right on his chest because he'd been laying down before. I'm like, <laughs> I'm letting it ride. I don't care. No, you need to clone it and cover the whole thing in needles. <laughs> Embrace it. 
and cats. <laughs> and cats. <laughs> uh, kittens specifically. Kittens. Oh yeah, is it kittens? Yeah. Little kittens. <laughs> Old once the cats are older, they they don't have the same draw. Unless they're angry face cat. Well, Remember the yeah. grumpy face one. Grumpy cat. Was... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet there's an app for that too. That's an app that you use for that <laughs> to put the kitties in all the shots. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Insta Kitty. You're kidding. No. Go Insta look at Kitty. an Instagram that's full of cats. Oh, I know. I've seen. It's on the Churchill website. <laughs> yeah, there are some cats that made it into our website. <laughs> Unlike some of the banner images, even. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed Podcast. Tonight we have an abbreviated crew. We have Brandon coming to us from Denver and Drew from Churchill. How's it going, guys? It's going great. Got another Aurora time lapse going tonight. I think that's going to be a like a broken record for the next, what, six, eight weeks? Until uh, April. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> till till it gets too bright i can't do them anymore is that basically what happens is it just the light gets to be too bright yep yeah you just have to stay up later and later and later i mean they're always going it's just a matter of uh is there not, is there too much light in the sky or are there clouds in the sky but the, the the northern lights will be going so we've talked about it before on the podcast you're basically level with kodiak right so you do mm-hmm. get some pretty long days in the summertime what, you'll probably get 20 hours in twilight most of the night? Yeah, I think uh, technically it's like 19 or 18 hours, 18, 19 hours, somewhere right in there. Um, but we do get night during the summer, so or a little bit, but it's just not quite enough, just not quite dark enough to see the northern light. Or you have to stay up for that like one little five-minute window where it's dark enough to see them. And, I'm not, and then your I'm not percentage chance is not that great to during that time to have them show up. I don't know. I've never done it. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think I'm being smart about it and playing the odds. So Brandon, you sent me a picture today from a trail cam from where we have our mountain lion stuff of a great big bull elk. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I'd been getting deer and deer butts and then in came this nice elk. He was, he was a pretty good one for that area. So I'm excited. We're starting to get some We've had rabbits and deer, but we finally got some elk. I'd like to see a cat on there, but we'll start with an elk. It was good. I'm happy with that. And the good news is we had the GoPro out there, so we probably got 4K footage of that. And it was during daylight hours, right? It's not during the night. Yeah, so I'm excited about that one. Yeah, we'll throw that picture that we're talking about in the show notes. So if you go to the show notes page for this podcast, you can see that elk it's, it's a, it really is. It's a nice bull for yeah. that area. I mean, we're only talking what from me to drive from my office to where we're at. It's 15 minutes, 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. So, and I could see it if, if I had a clear view without trees in the way I could see where that, that area is at. So it's yep. pretty cool to have bull elk that close to town. And he's a, Big guy. I mean, he's he's not a huge body, but he had a pretty good rack on him. And I mean, I'd take a picture of him, but I don't discriminate much also. So if it sucks in oxygen, you take a picture. That's fair. <laughs> Maybe if, even if it doesn't sometimes. <laughs> I've taken if some it's... pictures of pretty rocks. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, there's that. There's that whole landscape thing. 
So before we get too far and before we introduce our guest, we should cover some of the um, stuff that we always forget to cover right at the top of the podcast. So Brandon, why don't you lead us through that and then I'll, I'll fill in or Drew, you can fill in. Okay, let me see. So have you talked to Micah Precision lately? Yeah, so we still have our sponsor um, promotion that we have always had for the, well, not always, but for the last couple of months, which is 50 off of 500. And I talked to him today and I said, is that still good? He's like, yeah, that's still good. But what we did talk about was how can we change it up? What can we do? What can we make that is really kind of intriguing? You know, he's just looking to gain new customers, right? So if we can come up with this, something cool that maybe it's something we use and we get a really good deal on it or I don't know, we're working on something. So we should come up with some pretty spicy promotions in the future. He's He's hot on it. And are they still, is the R62 still there? They still oh, have we didn't talk stock? about that. I don't know. I know they still had some in stock last time I talked to them. So that's their, their last thing that we talked about, uh, Mike and I. But but that's the new version of the camera, right? So of course they're going to have them. I would think so. Have you played with that yet? No. Me either. Not I'm a Sony all. guy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just have too much already. I don't need another camera. No, you you do. Yeah. Just just buy it. <laughs> I too. <laughs> you too, Drew. <laughs> it no. just takes a long time to get up to here to Churchill. <laughs> so, Drew, we were talking yesterday. We were out setting up these. What were no? We were out testing out some new cameras. Brandon and and our guest and myself. We were all out shooting. And Brandon looks over at me and he's like, man, that Olympus is pretty cool. So we're still on the fence over your system. I mean, that I, I was so intrigued by it because Lee Hoist sitting right there and he's like the, the end all be all. He knows every little thing about that camera. So he's like spewing out all this knowledge about these cameras. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, that'd be cool. I couldn't tell you one thing that he said right now if you asked me to. But at the time, it seemed really cool. And if I didn't have so many cameras already, I'd be like, I want one. Well, it's, it's, it's portable. It's great. It's, it's, I mean, I switched, uh, I don't even know when it was, maybe 2015 and my whole kit, because uh, I was traveling a lot at the time and going all these places and back and forth between Alaska and Churchill and Mexico and Jackson and all over the place. And I just needed a kit that was versatile, was weather sealed. And could fit in the overhead compartment on a 737. Like that was, that was my, and it had to feel good in my hand. Honestly, when I was switching from Canon and I, at first I was like, oh, I'm going to switch to Sony. And then I went and held those first Sonys and they were like, the heck is this? <laughs> and so, uh, and then I said, well, what's that other one? And a couple buddies had, uh, uh, had, who were in a similar situation were using the Olympus. And so I took one of theirs for a test drive. And then they throw all these computational fun things like a built-in digital ND filter and um, this the composite star trails that'll build itself. And then they've had this pre-record feature for other cameras are starting to do it now, but they've had this pre-record feature going for a while and have it dialed that you can take a lot of frames really fast and they're the ones from before you push the button. So it basically gives you all the shots that were almost awesome. 
the ones you would have missed if you didn't have it. So like, Hmm. I I don't know why anybody would go to say like Brooks falls and not have a pre-record like the shot that people have been, they'll sit out there for 10 years trying to get the, you know, the salmon jumping into the bear's mouth. And with the Olympus, you just, you get it every time. Like it's no muss, no fuss, especially if you're trying to maximize your, uh, the bang for your buck on uh, your, you know, your 45 minutes on the, on the platform or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I don't, I don't see myself switching anytime soon. So the only real downside is the fact that it's hard to get some of the lenses still, right? Um, just the big one, just that, uh, 150 to 400 with the teleconverter built in. Um, I do, I do use a Sony for, for the low light stuff, doing Aurora videos and things like that. But frankly, that's the only camera out there that can do that kind of stuff. So that's the one I use, but, um, but yeah, like I've been, I've been super happy with it. And, and always, and when people ask me for recommendations on gear, I, I really try to drive home the point. Well, you got to figure out what you need. You know, go, make a list of what you want in the camera. It's got to be portable. It's got to be weather sealed. It's got to fit in the 737 overhead compartment. And then get the one that's right for you. You don't have to get the camera that, you know, everybody else is getting because it just might not work for you. And also, you know, I'm being a guide first and a photographer second. Um, you know, most of my bag is filled with first aid kits and extra layers and, and things like that. So, um, the camera is kind of the last thing that has to fit in the bag. So uh, portability was was paramount for me. So if it's daytime, you take in the Olympus or what do they call it, OMD? And OMD, digital solution. And if it's nighttime, you're going to take the Sony. Yeah, yeah, for all my Aurora stuff. Although, shoot, even the, the Olympus has the, the star focus. Like if I have gone out and I do enjoy shooting Aurora with it because it's got this automatic autofocus feature you just program a button on the back and you get out boom you hit the button the stars go sharp like there's no messing around with infinity or any stuff like that that'll really wreck your night if you mess it up like that's a high pressure situation uh but no at the olympus you just push a button and boom there it is so uh, so i use that quite a bit uh i've done some time lapses with it at night and actually the uh the, the composite it'll build a star trail for you in camera like it's pretty it's pretty wild when did this turn into an omd ad it's pretty i know but i was intrigued man when i saw that camera and we had the representative that was there and then lee hoy was there and he shoots you know i don't know he must be an olympus ambassador of some sort or whatever they call those people and he just they both were on and on and on i'm like this is sounding better by the minute and then some of the lenses that they had there were pretty dang cool. Well, this this 150 to 400, which, you know, this is a 2X crop. So you're, you can do the math on that. It's long lens. It's all handheld. They've got wicked stabilization. Uh, I've never used a tripod with it, I don't think. Uh, never quite felt the need to use a tripod with it, um, except for some of those nighttime things. Um, but, and honestly, they're... Uh, 40 to 150 2.8 is one of the sharpest lenses I've seen. Like it is just cut yourself on that thing. I think that's the one that I was playing with that I was impressed with. 
and it's small. That's the one I would always bring out for uh, for moose. You remember when I was complaining that I couldn't get far enough away from the moose, and then right. I switched to that lens, and it was perfect. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> you got that range, and it's all well. It's more than APS-C. It's a two times ex- it's two times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a kind of an OMD ad, but that's all right. I mean, you might as well expose people to. It's like you said, just pick your. Pick what you want to do, what you're trying to accomplish and buy that camera that does make that. a list, make a list of what you're looking for. Yeah. That's, that's my advice. Pro tip. We'll start with pro tips today. Make a list. But then you got to go to a camera shop where you got somebody that knows what the heck's going on so that you can say, here's my list. Give me the camera that does all of this. Cause there's no way for even, I can't tell you all the things that all these cameras do nowadays. Just call Precision Auto. Or Precision Auto. <laughs> Just call Precision <laughs> Camera. But Precision Crazy. Auto does good work too in Anchorage, Alaska. Just say it if you ever need it. Right. Oil, oil right. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a couple of guys down there at Precision. There was one that was at the Houston Expo that we were at, and Brandon and I had a chance to talk to him. And he actually works in the Austin shop, but they brought him down for that expo in Houston. and that dude knew every camera and he was at, wasn't he an Olympus shooter too? Was he Fuji or Olympus? Oh, I don't know. He shoots for the AP and he was doing stuff for the F1 race that's there in Austin. And he had some images that were just spectacular and it might've been the Fuji, but either way, I mean, the, either the Fuji or the Olympus, it's not one of those top two. Right. And anytime you see another camera that's producing imagery like that, you're like, it's impressive to see so they do have some really knowledgeable people down there and they're cheaper so you can buy three or four of them are they really yeah i don't even remember what i paid for this this last one but it, i mean it's their top of the line and it definitely didn't break the bank well i guess uh call mike at precision <laughs> and then he's just pawn you off on a on a camera salesperson but they're all pretty knowledgeable <laughs> all right so brandon what else do we have on the list besides right. the sponsorship how are do you still have open spots on the bear trip mike for the boat we do and i don't know exactly how many but i know there's spots available on both trips so it's a little weird because it's double occupancy so it's either a couple that would sign up and then fill one of the little cabins or we have to have two females or two males so i'm not sure what the numbers are right now but all you got to do is go to our website click on the tours and from there, you can figure out what dates work for you. And then all the information is down at the bottom of the page. And you can just call Dave directly, who's who's putting the, the whole, basically, he takes all the money and he does all the stuff with the trips. He'll tell you where we're at on each trip. But both of these trips are like, the timing is like perfect. So it doesn't, it just, it'll depend on your schedule. If your schedule's open, you want to go, they're both going to be spectacular as far as activity. Okay. And then how about you, Drew? Do you still have some open spots with your trips? We got a couple spots left on our Bear Cubs and Borealis tour. So if you're interested in watching the look, going to look for those Bear Cubs coming out of the den, polar Bear Cubs, we need to specify. We're just throwing bears out and we're talking about two different species here. Uh, so Michael's talking about the brown bears. I'm talking about polar Bear Cubs coming out of the den. So if anybody wants to go look for polar Bear Cubs with me, um, give a shout. We got a couple spots left. So do you even get to sleep on that trip? Because if you're up all night doing Aurora and then you're out all day looking for polar bear cubs, it's you better just bring some toothpicks to keep your eyes open. Right. Well, it's fortunately there's not a bear cub behind every tree. 
so, <laughs> so there is some downtime because it is very polar bear centric. Uh, you know, we're not cruising around looking for other stuff. We are looking for polar bear cubs. And so, uh, so yeah, there's, there's some time if you need to grab a nap or something like that, just so you're ready when the shit goes down. Like you need to be well rested so, for that. If you want to do the brown bear trip, you just be prepared for bugs. And if you want to do the polar bear trip, be prepared for cold. But I guarantee there are no bugs. No bugs. On that trip. Like I will no promise bugs. you that. Just bring your puffy pants. Just bring lots of layers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then before we jumped on the podcast, Brandon, you were talking about a new little segment that we should introduce. And what yeah. was that? Yeah. So we're going to start simple and actually drew had a good idea. We're going to start with the wild and exposed homework. And so this homework is going to be relatively easy. We want to see the shots that were almost great. Maybe you had Ben masters. He talked about this last week. Maybe you had the camera set up on the mountain lion den and it was focused on the tree in front of the mountain lions. Or maybe you have the blade of grass in front of the bear running through the the river chasing the salmon. We want to see it. So tag us and hashtag W-E homework. And then tag us in your post and we will throw it up in the story. And if there's a really good one, maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. You'll, you'll know these shots. You know these shots. They're the ones you look at and you just go, oh. Like if you've ever made that sound in your photographic career, those are the shots we want to see. Oh, yeah. Groaners. We want to see the groaners. <laughs> that should be the hashtag. Hashtag <laughs> groaners. Oh, Although maybe we need to check that that for, let's check that one first. Yeah, no, yeah. let's not do that. Let's do hashtag <laughs> W homework. <laughs> <laughs> After the whole <laughs> sleeping with Ben Masters snafu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did we change that? No, no, no. You're the, like I said, you're the only one that were like questioning it. I think you just, you, you're so sheltered up there in the winter that I don't know. It must've just caught that thing up there. Well, I mean, wait, 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 wait. Let's read this, read this title. Let's see. We'll we know what he chat. does in his uh, winter time. I just it's not hibernation. I just revisit group chats <laughs> with you jokers. So here's the title. Tell Ashley Tanner, you're uh, you're not biased here. I'm going to read this to you and tell me what you think. Okay. Capture wildlife footage while you sleep with Ben Masters. Oh, I just got what you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, it says capture wildlife <laughs> footage while you sleep with Ben Masters. <laughs> Oh, sleep with Ben Masters. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I think there's a, a bunch of ways. See, my whole, brain, my whole brain was not reading it that way. The way you read it, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, okay. Well, I'm sleeping with Ben right now, and then, but I'm getting some awesome photos. No, no, no. Well, I guess. Yeah. Well, you're sl- <laughs> That's like we're in the tent together, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not everybody's got that context. Oh, I got you. All right, I'm gonna have to go change it. Maybe well, it's too late now. Up. It's already that's out in the world. There's no way. No, I can change the thumbnail. That's no big deal. And the titles are easy to change. Okay. <laughs> it'll 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 propagate throughout the 
the thing. It might take a while, but okay. except we're we're memorializing it here. <laughs> well, it's so yeah, good. But... <laughs> we can't we can't let this pass. <laughs> Capture wildlife footage while you sleep with Ben Masters. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, how would you say it? Capture well. Well, for comedic effect, I'd say it just like that, but uh, <laughs> capture wildlife footage while you sleep featuring Ben Masters or it's the width, I featuring. think is the, uh, yeah. I'll just put that like they do in music. I'll put F-E-A-T. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> That's amazing. I just got it. I mean, I got that text from Drew earlier today. I'm like, what is the big deal? I'm thinking, man, he's just out there in the cold way too much. <laughs> but then when you read it like that, I'm like, oh, oh right. Right. <laughs> all right. While while Tanner is dazzling us with stories of, of uh, just awesomeness, I will go in and change the website right now. For the kids, um, for the children. Yeah, for the kids. Yeah, yeah. Family all right, show. But, Let's go back to WE homework, hashtag WE homework. And All then right. do uh, the shot, the shot that was almost there. Or how'd you say it? Almost awesome wildlife shots. The almost awesome. And we want to, we want to see the story in the caption. So you're going to have to write a little caption below it. Cause we want to hear the story and the reaction and how sad you were. And then if you got it on a follow-up shot, maybe put that as the second one, if you got it. I just hope people haven't deleted them. I mean, that's a, a definite risk, but they might think, yeah. oh, I could save that when Topaz. There's some shots not even Topaz can save. Yeah. Those are the ones we want. Yeah, I don't know. If you watched our Lightroom episode, the, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, those guys were able to fix a lot of stuff. I'm like, man, you pretty much want to keep it. I, I've always kept everything. I have every picture I've ever taken in digital. I've just, I don't get rid of stuff. I figure hard drives are cheap, but will I ever go back and look at that stuff? Absolutely not. I probably should call the whole, you know, just get rid of all the bad stuff, but. Well, Ron and so Jason wait. aren't here. Like we should just have people send in their most messed up photos. When the, when the call goes out for, for Lightroom <laughs> photos, let's mm. just have everybody send in their most messed up photos. Lens caps on. Photo. Yeah. Kicking yeah, the like tripod. Half, of, half of the tails cut out and they have to go in and recreate the tail. <laughs> so yeah, that's the, that's going to, okay. Nobody tell, nobody tell those guys. And next time we do a call for photos, just, just send in the messed up ones. So wait, do you have a shot that you can remember off the top of your head where it was almost great? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was in the year. It was 2004. I remember it like it was yesterday. Holy smokes. Yeah. And I was at uh, I was at Wolverine Cove, Big River Lakes, Alaska, and it's boat-based bear viewing. And there's the bears will be along the shoreline and they'll jump out at you. And I was working there so i was out maybe it was almost dark uh and that was my issue is it was just the bear was moving too fast and it was too dark for my old canon 40d um but this bear dove right at us and it just was blurry and like no not an artistic blur just like ooh blurry but the pose you can tell that the pose is there and the composition is there it's just super 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 blurry it's on a hard drive somewhere i might be able to dig it up and, and contribute it to the uh uh 
the comp is it a competition? No, no, it's just a recognition. Whoever wins gets fifty off of five hundred at Precision. <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 throw that incentive out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just a <laughs> we will we will feature the images on the on a reel. Or, or, or if or if you want it, get get with me and I'll send you a sticker. All right. Is there anything else before we get to Tanner? We just did a whole podcast of nothing before we even got to the meat of it. <laughs> but okay. this is the stuff that everybody likes. They're always telling me, "Hey, we like when you guys just jibber jabber, ramble on." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you can think of, Brandon? That you want to make sure we cover? No, I think we got everything. Perfect. So tonight we have a guest who actually, we talked about him last week in the podcast, but I don't think I put it in the podcast because it was pre-podcast recording. But I met this young gun um, while I was out in the field this fall. And then we've since actually been shooting a lot together. And I just thought it'd be really cool as part of our young gun series to to get him on the podcast and maybe talk about how he got into it, why he's into it, what he's doing to pro- keep in it. And, um, you know, just answer all those questions. And then you guys will, I'm sure have a bunch of questions for him. So tonight we have Tanner Haver and you and I tell the story of where we met. Oh, first, thanks for having me guys. Um, so I met you in, in Rocky mountain national park, um, on a shoot, um for Finn and Fur films and it it was uh, a really cold morning and it it was around seven in the morning and I had walked down a trailhead to begin my shoot and not too long after um Michael had walked down the same trailhead towards me uh, so it was it was kind of wasn't I don't think we were expecting to see each other but it, it turned out to be a really good thing and I'm really fortunate that we met each other because I mean, we've become pretty great friends ever since, and now I get to spend time with another really great friend of mine I'd like to call Brandon and, and meet Drew. It's nice to meet you. Um, good to I've meet you as well. A lot of really good things. So, Yeah, so I'll just fill in a little bit more about that. And like I said, I don't think I – I talked about it on the podcast with Ben, but I think I was just telling Ben. I don't think we recorded it. But there's a spot where we all know where they all kind of hang out in Rocky Mountain National Park, and you always try to get away from the people, and the spot that I was thinking about was – a good way to get away from the crowds. So I go over there and I go tooling down the trail and I'm carrying that big camera. Cause I was kind of working bit or a uh, Tanner was actually, actually out there working, making a day rate. I was out there kind of making a day rate, but if the day didn't work out, then it was like no big deal. It was just, it was one of those days where if you got it, it was going to be great. If you didn't, no big deal. Right. But I'm packing that 50 to 1,000 lens on a on a red, and I'm using this big old Connor tripod. I mean, the whole package is, I don't know, I'm guessing 70 pounds, 75 pounds. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm not going to go that far, but I only have to maybe go a half mile down the trail with this thing over my shoulder. I mean, carrying 75 pounds in a pack is, is doable for a lot longer, but I'm just throwing the camera over my shoulder, and I'm headed down the trail. And I get out there. And you never see anybody else out in the woods with one of these lenses just because they're so specialty and they're so expensive. You just don't see them. They're just not a common thing unless you're on these great big high production value shoots, right? So I get out, I come around a corner and I see a 50 to 1000 lens sitting there. And then I see some dude operating it and shooting exactly what I had envisioned shooting. And I'm like, 
who is this dude? He's taking my spot. And then uh, we really didn't say anything to each other for probably the first, I don't know, a couple of hours. I mean, we acknowledged each other and just give it the old, you know, head nod or whatever, but we're busy shooting. And then after it was all over, then Tanner came over and he's like, Hey, what's going on? He's a super nice guy. Right. And he just, we just started chatting it up and then you find out how young he is and he's out there actually shooting, making a day rate. I thought, man, this is a pretty cool little story here. So that's how we met. And then, uh, since he lives here in Denver and he's going to school, he's got a little bit of free time. So I, I just said, if you get a chance, come out with us and we're working on this mountain lion, um, camera trap project and then we go out and shoot some other stuff so we've actually been hanging out quite a bit since then so give us a little bit of your background tanner like what how did you get into this and how did you get to the point where it's like hey i want to be a wildlife cinematographer well all right i um so for the longest time i've i've really been in in love with just photography in general uh it really just it all started, my grandpa's my best friend, and every summer since I was little, um, actually five years old to be exact, he would take me to Yellowstone, um, and we'd spend a week together or two weeks together, and as the years progressed, um, we ended up starting to spend more and more time in the park every summer and kind of sharing really, really valuable memories. And I remember my first camera, it was a it was just like a small Kodak still camera um, where you could take the camera home and pull the memory card out and literally print photos in the basement from what I took. Ever since then, especially in, in just such an incredible place like that, it really just stuck with me. Um, so as the years progressed and we started staying for longer periods of time, I started to kind of splurge into, into better equipment uh, slowly. Um, so he ended up getting me a, my second camera was a Canon TX50. It was like a, it was like a power shot camera. And that was, that was the most incredible thing in the world for me. And I remember at a really young age thinking, man, what's this little red button on the back of the camera? Um, just being, being pretty unfamiliar with, with new equipment. And I mean, you're so little that you really don't know, but I mean, because you just want to be out there hanging out with your best friend, which in, in that case was my grandpa and taking pictures. And um, I started to use the little red button a little more. And then I really found out that, oh, well, this can, th this is making worlds a difference. And I, li I like this more because I feel like it tells a, it tells a story better. And it, I think my mindset was more like, I think it does more justice than just a photo at the time just because i liked i liked to see it again and i'd like to witness it again even when we went back to where we're staying grab the camera turn it on play it back and watch what i just got to shoot even though it wasn't very great but then as as time went on and um i started to get a little older around the age of i would say 10 11 years old i, I started to see this this guy um in the park a lot with my grandpa he was it was almost like every bear we saw or every every just anything that was incredible and, and, and just cool to witness in general, even if it was just just something scenic. I, I was just seeing him a lot and I remember asking my grandpa, Who who's that? Like I, I wanna know who that is. I mean he's 
this enormous camera, glued head tripod, the works, Cine lens, um, enormous Sony brain. He was an older gentleman, and over the course of time, paying more attention to that, I would see him more and more and more until I, I finally had had to ask somebody else who he was. And that that same individual today is has turned out to be an extremely large influence in my life. His name's Bob, and Bob Landis is certainly my idol, and has kind of carried the the motivation and the just the awe inspiring like. Like it's who I want to like, who I was aspiring to be from from a young age. So you know, after that, I mean, I don't think I took a picture again. You know, after <laughs> getting to meet him for the first time and and talk to him and small talk here and there, it's it's hard talking to somebody that you look up to that much, especially when you're that little because you're nervous and you don't know what to say. And I mean, you don't want to bother him at the same time. But um, yeah, he's he's certainly a, a legend in my mind and and my number one as far as uh influences and, and just idols go that got me started in it but by the- hold on before you go too much further so if you're not familiar with bob landis all you got to do is go and look at his imdb page and i have never looked at it but it's got to be several pages of maybe when you guys can look it up but <clears throat> the guy's been shooting i don't know so you're what 22 now tanner yep i am 22 i turned 23 in may so 10 years, well, let's just say 23. So 20, 10 years ago was 2013. I was there probably in 2000. I don't even know. Let's just say the early 2000s and Bob was out there. I mean, the guy is like a staple in, I think he lives in Gardner, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He, um, I don't know where, but I know he does live in Gardner. Yeah. So Bob is just a guy who gets up every day gets his camera and he is out in the park and some of the most epic footage you've ever seen on a lot of these wildlife programs from Yellowstone. He's shot a lot of it and it's, it's all, he owns his own camera and I think he's working on his own time and he did a lot of stuff as stock. But now that people know who he is and what he's doing, I'm sure the guy gets called all the time just to, Hey, can you shoot blah, 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 some obscure thing in Yellowstone and he's, probably seen it and chances are probably pretty good that he's actually shot it previously. So, um, he just, a, a really, I mean, to have an idol like that, he's one of the best. So get this. His- oh, did you pull it up too? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Drew. Well, I was going to say his earliest credit on his IMDB here is the elk of the Northern herd in 1978. Yeah. So the guy has been doing this for, a, I think he was a school teacher prior, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Prior to being a full-time filmer? Yeah, I, I do believe he was a school teacher for a long time. And then finally, I might be mistaken, around the reintroduction of the wolf to Yellowstone, solely contributed, I mean, was, was able to just filmmake and um, document wildlife full-time, which is just incredible because he, as far as I'm concerned, has more free-roaming wild gray wolf footage than anybody and the behavior that comes along with it, um, the predation, the pack rivalries, um, even if it's just, it, it, I mean, something as, as bizarre and as crazy as gray wolves killing coyotes, Bob has just limitless, I mean, just incredible stuff. And, you know, one of my favorite shots that comes to mind, actually, of his, um, and this is 
one of the one of the first shots that I I saw of his coming to find out that he shot it that I mean it was just ex- I was explosive with excitement and and kind of just really excited to see. I do believe I saw it on a PBS Nature special. There's a coyote running with a large piece of meat in its mouth that it had just carried away from a carcass. And he's kind of traversing through the snowy landscape in Yellowstone. And an eagle is flying behind the coyote and swoops down and manages to completely remove the piece of meat from the coyote's mouth and fly away. Kind of like like it just out of nowhere, the coyote kind of takes a couple lunges and, and steps towards the eagle and tries to jump up into the air and, and retrieve the piece of meat that was just stolen from it and, and couldn't and failed. But um, to me, that certainly makes it into my top 10 greatest shots ever. That's the shot I think of too. That's exactly, I was going to mention that. I'm glad you did because it's one of those deals where that coyote had no idea what was about to happen. And as soon as that eagle took it, that coyote for a second is just like looking around like what the, you know, it's just that whole, what just happened. And then obviously the, you know, the bird is gone and, and that coyote's like, well, okay, I guess I got to go back and get some more vittles from the, the kill that was going on, but it is, it's a pretty spectacular shot. So how many pages of IMDB does he have? It's gotta be several, one, right? One big one. Well, yeah, I guess if you spread it out. It scrolls. You got to scroll to see it all. I'll yeah. say that much. Yeah, he's been uh, he's done it. But the all. the latest one was the Wilder Yellowstone that TV special. Is that what channel is that on or what does it say? Um the writer is Simon Boyce. It's AMC Plus, I believe. All right, so Tanner take us on from there. So you you uh well, I guess, do you guys have any questions so far for Tanner? So it sounds when you first ran into Michael, you were, and Michael ran into you, it's kind of a disappointing situation for both of you. I'm really glad you could overcome that bummer of running into somebody in your spot <laughs> in the woods. Yeah, to tell you the truth, um, I mean, I was actually kind of intimidated um, just because you know, it's not intimidated, but just, I mean, I'm, I'm out there. I look up to, to many more than just Bob and, um, Michael being one of those people. Um, and I mean, yeah, when you see an O'Connor fluid head like that, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's getting real. So, and like, there's, there's always a bigger bear in the woods, but yeah, it was an, a really incredible experience. And, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, everything happens for a reason and it was a really cool really cool opportunity to just be out in the field shooting and um, doing what I love to do um, and being paid for it, which is just more than what I could ask for within itself, just because I love to be out there anyway and doing it and um, make new friends and meet new people along the way that, that are influencing me even further till this day. So yeah, it was, it was really special and, and such a, such a beautiful, beautiful place too. And, and filming, I mean, one of the, the greatest spectacles in, in North American um and and in nature's history in North America or just in the wild west. Um so yeah it was it was really awesome. Did you get the shot? What were you trying to were you trying to get a fight? Were you sh- shooting B roll? What were you doing? Um if you can talk about it. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I. <laughs> I don't think I can share that. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could, okay. um, but I can't, unfortunately. It's all and, good. Uh, all good. But no. Well, and then let me fill in too. I, it wasn't a bummer at all. I mean, to have him there. I mean, it was the best spot. He had found the best spot to shoot based on what we were shooting, and so it was actually kind of cool. It was the only thing. It was it was shocking to see somebody else carrying that same kind of camera gear out there, just because it's not common. You just don't see it. So what was cool about it is to see someone so young out there that is actually making it happen. And that's where I was like, okay, this this guy's on on his way, and. And then to come to find out that he's actually making a day rate already at 22. I mean, man, if I'd have been able to do this stuff at 22, at 22, I was like, what's an F stuff? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nice. Well, and we, so, can, we can tell your kindred spirits because the first thing you both noticed was the cameras, the lenses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, he definitely had this spot picked out. I can tell you what, Ben told us is he, they were filming out there and you were filming for yourself, Tanner. Yeah. So you were just up, I think doing your own thing. Yep. And Ben got in a situation where he was getting what he was, he was in the right spot, but he wasn't getting the shot that he wanted. And so he climbed up to the, up a hill or something. Cause he thought, well, I think I can get this shot from this vantage point better than where I'm at. And when he got up there, you were already there. And that he was so impressed by that. He says, he's like, here's this, here's this young guy that's got the spot that was in my mind all along. And this, this young guy is already there. So I think that impressed him so much that that's, I think how you ended up working for him is he's, a, he know he knew that you had that vision to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. It certainly caught me off guard um, meeting Ben and, um, his shooter Ryan, such great guys, and I mean, I I learned so much, and I mean, the time spent with with both of them, and the the opportunity that I received was was incredible, just because I learned so much more than I they had already known, and that I that I thought that I could in such a short period of time, and I remember seeing them um, the evening before, and it was a really great experience, to just be in be a part of be a part of something like that, and. Words are, it's hard to describe, I mean, just, just how much effort you put into something sometimes before it starts paying off. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I love to do it and I'll do it no matter what. And we were shooting, I remember we were, you, I've told you the story, but we were shooting um, one of the larger elk in the area. And yeah, that morning I ended up running into them was, was certainly special. I remember being positioned on a rock and hearing somebody walk behind me and say, well, what do we have here? Another video guy. And I was, you know, I didn't know who was talking to me and I didn't know what was going on. And I kind of looked up and, and stood up and shook his hand. And I mean, that, that kind of turned out to be, to be the beginning of one of the coolest experiences of my life. So I'm, I'm extremely fortunate and thankful for that. So far. I would just throw in so far. So far, yeah. You're so young. You're going to have so much cool stuff happen if you stay on this path. So when you're out there shooting for yourself, and and maybe you can talk about a little bit of what you're, the gear you're using, and what are you trying to accomplish when you're out there just shooting for yourself? What I'm trying to accomplish out there shooting for myself is, I mean, it's it's kind of, it's a lot of things. One of those things is is just happiness. and 
doing something that, you know, I, I know I would drop anything to do at any time if I was given the chance and uh, just do it. And I mean, there's really nothing more that there's really nothing that makes me happier than being out in the field and um, sticking my head in a camera and just kind of getting lost and, and, and shooting, shooting something, you know, spectacular, even if it's just, even if it's, even if it's not incredible, like I just like being out there and, and spending the time and doing, doing anything that I can to put something together to show others and to tell a story, even if it's just, a, you know, a, you know, a, a grizzly bear and its cubs and, and she's nursing and she's grazing and the cubs are wrestling. And I, I just really like being out there, but, you know, going back to Bob, it was, it was one of those things that I knew it's kind of a sentimental thing for me too, just because it's the memories that I'm never going to, never going to lose, um, spending time in the field with my grandpa. I mean, he's getting older now. And, um, I mean, without him to clarify more than anybody, um, I wouldn't be what I'm doing, what I'm doing now. And I wouldn't be where I'm at, you know, speaking in a position of just wanting to do it and being out there and doing it and putting in the effort. And I wouldn't care about the natural world, um, or the wildlife in, in my opinion, I don't think nearly as much as I do now um, without my grandpa as an influence. So it's been a really, really interesting experience and journey thus forth. You know, I was entirely self-taught up to just a few months ago when I met Ben and, and Ryan and Austin and the, the incredible team at Finn and Fur. And since then, I've, I've grown a lot and I've become that much better of a shooter in, in my, my opinion, just because... You know, it's it's nice getting to learn from somebody that knows so much more than you do, that's made the mistakes maybe here and there, that's or that's had the successes and, you know, says, well, hey, well, there's an easier way to do this, or there's an easier way to do that, or this is how I would do this, and this is how I wouldn't do that. It's kind of like getting to meet you and Brandon and, and everybody else, too. I'm, I'm still sucking in that same, all this information like a sponge. And I'm still trying to add it to my to my arsenal and stack as much ammo as I possibly can to to just become a better storyteller and a and a, and a shooter in general. So, so Drew, Drew, you had a story. I remember on a, po- a podcast we did before you were a host on the show. You were a guide before you were a photographer. Well, no, I got into photography because my parents had uh, owned a small town newspaper, and I had so I had access to a dark room. And so when my mom gave me her AE1, I could go roll my own film and, you know, I I could develop all the stock, you know, film strips and I couldn't touch the fancy new photo paper, but all the scraps and stuff. So I could, so that was, that was, uh, yeah, it was all, so the photography came first and then I kind of didn't do anything with it and then got back into it when I started going to cool places. But uh, what about you, Brandon? What, how did you figure out that, Hey, you can actually make a living shooting wildlife? Uh, I don't know if you can, like, I, I don't know <laughs> if I will, <laughs> to be honest, all my cash flows, not wildlife. Um, no, there was, let's see, it was a behind the scenes of, 
it was one of those early documentaries and there was like the little clip on the vhs of like the the people that filmed it and i remember this there was this gal that had this setup and it was a giant camera at the time and they had they mounted it to the hillux or the land rover or whatever they were driving at the point and they would roll her out on like this telescoping system so she had a full left to right like system that she could spin around on and i was like i want to do this and she was like filming a cheetah running right and i was like forget the army and navy like i want to go run this camera through this like system and that was the first time that i was like maybe i could do that and then i got delusions of grandeur and tried to go into the corporate world and but yeah, that was the first kind of wildlife. And I, I grew up in the sticks, right? So we had a mountain lion den on the backside of the mountain that we grew up by. And we'd get calls at the house. Oh, there's a, a mountain lion in the area. Keep your kids inside. And so my mom would be like, okay, boys, you can't go outside. And then we'd go outside and play flashlight tag. And she'd get really mad. <laughs> We're all alive. <laughs> well, or maybe not. And there was four boys originally. And now there's only three. I don't know. Tanner, so you've decided that this is what you want to do. You want to become a wildlife cinematographer. There really is no clear roadmap for it, but you've put yourself in the position to meet some some good people, um, have some mentors. What's the roadmap look like now? I know you're in school right now and you're getting a degree in biology and you've got a, a minor, or you're going after a minor in GIS too. So that, of course, is important, but then... What is your process after that? Or do you even know? You know, I, I know because I, I know it's what I want to do and it's, and I'm still just trying to, to, to really just shoot as high as, as high as I possibly can and, and really aim as high as I possibly can. But, you know, I think the most important thing for me, um, and this goes for anybody also is just spending the time in the field. The more you expose yourself to the natural world, um, no matter where you are, um, it could be, you know, even if it's just a nature nature trail in a city park, or even better, a national park, and and just really uh, putting the time in and the effort and being out there as much as you can. Um, best case scenario, every single day, eventually it's going to pay off just through the imagery itself, you know, and and you're really doing yourself such a big favor at the end of the day, just because, I mean, you're, you're spending time in something that, you know, might not be here in a thousand years or, or whatever it might be. Uh, we're not, we're not going to live forever. And, you know, if you find it valuable to immerse yourself in nature and, and experience things that, you know, you've never experienced before and see things you've never experienced before, I, I really think that's the most crucial and beneficial part of, of, of doing it. Um, just being out in the field and just shooting and trying to tell a story on something, even if it's, even if it's just a bird or even if it's just a, a rodent or, or whatever it might be. It, I mean, it doesn't have to be a grizzly bear and it doesn't have to be a gray wolf, but I mean, just dependence on where you are. I think spending time in the field is the most important thing to do. What's your favorite species to film? right now so my favorite species to film right now is the grizzly bear the grizzly bear has always been my all-time favorite animal i mean and this is from when i was i mean again you know small eight nine ten years old i actually remember um the first time i saw my first wild grizzly bear 
um, in the park with my grandpa. And that is an experience I will never forget. It was in Hayden Valley. It was not too far from Elk Antler Creek. And it was around, I'd probably say one or two in the afternoon. I just remember it being really, really cold outside. I, I had fallen asleep in the truck. Man, I was probably only six years old. And we had driven from the western part of the park, so the Swan Lake Flat, the Norris area, um, back through Hayden Valley to Cody, where we were staying at the time. And I just remember waking up, and my grandpa's kind of just nudging me and telling me, hey, there's a bear. And this is when I had the Kodak. And I just remember being so ecstatic. He had a rack. He drove a Dodge Dakota at the time. So had a toolbox. He he built custom homes for 40 years. Now he's a school bus driver, which is great because he gets the summers off and we get to spend time with each other and we get to go back to the park. And I remember climbing in the back of the truck and standing on top of the toolbox in the back so I could see over the sagebrush to where the bear was and kind of using the rack as like a like a, a platform to lean up against and take pictures with and, and do all sorts of great stuff. I don't have that picture anymore. I mean, it's priceless. I wish I did. I, I remember that wasn't the only time I used the bed of the truck as kind of like a like a standing platform um, to, to photograph animals. It was, it was kind of a staple until he stopped building homes and I got older um, and now he just drives a, a Toyota Tacoma and you know, we do things different ways, but it was, it was incredible. And it was, it was the perfect thing at the time. So. Well, then with yeah. all your stories, I half expect like David Attenborough to walk up at the end or something. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, that wouldn't that be cool? I mean, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of idols and, and people I look up to, that's certainly one of them. Um, but yeah. The, the grizzly bear is certainly certainly my number one and wolves and and just north american wildlife in general the west has so many incredible things and there's so much that i want to see still um and be a part of and shoot i got some really really cool stuff this past spring of of a couple of grizzly bears um in courtship together in in the park so i'm excited to continue working on that and just reliving it every time i edit it's the best part <laughs> You get to sit there and watch it again and just be there again and just witness something really unique. I mean, especially when it comes to behavior and, and that kind of stuff, it's hard to beat when it's your favorite animal ever. And then they're doing things that you rarely get to see in an area that, you know, I, I guess it's a better way of saying it, in a place that you rarely get to see that. And what are some of the species that you want to go and film that you haven't filmed yet? I'm, I'm pretty simple. I would be willing to shoot anything just because I'm fascinated by so much. But speaking of polar bears, Drew, I would love to shoot polar bears. That's certainly a bucket list for me, a bucket list animal for me. Well, come on up. I know where they are. Hey, if you're offering, I mean, I, I love, I mean, I, I'm just such a bear guy and they've, they have fascinated me. I mean, in every way imaginable and possible. Like I go to sleep and all I dream about is bears and I wake up and all I'm thinking about are bears. The Kodiak brown bear is another one that's that's on my bucket list that I would love to be able to shoot and spend time with. But just generally speaking, a creature that, you know, and this, this is pretty far-fetched from bears um, and more closely related to cats, a creature that I've been fascinated with forever has been the spotted hyena. That's an animal that I, I certainly wouldn't mind spending time in the field with, especially if 
lions or African painted dogs or, or anything else out there were involved. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I love, I love elk. Um, I love moose, you know, I'm just, I'm willing to shoot anything and everything. And I do, um, especially, especially if there's the potential of witnessing something that's rarely seen or, you know, that you just might not see every day. I mean, it could be silly. I mean, it could be, it could be like this past spring is a, is a perfect example. Actually, do you know what a sandpiper is? I was in the park with my grandpa and there's the sandpiper we drove by in the, in the Northern range of Yellowstone. And the sandpiper was on the ground acting like it's, it's wings were broken and it was paralyzed and it was kind of just flopping around and screeching in front of a bison that was grazing maybe only a foot away from, from its nose. Um, and I didn't know like what that was about or, or what was going on there. Well, apparently, Nest. right. When a sandpiper feels like something is getting too close to its nest and it has chicks and it feels like the chicks are threatened, it acts like it's injured to pull whatever it is away, away from the nest so that the chicks aren't consumed or, or, or lost or whatever it is. So yeah, it was just, it was really just crazy to see. I mean, we have sandpipers here. I have them in my backyard. They're everywhere here in Colorado, but just to see that I'm like, holy cow, it's acting like it's paraplegic and it's injured to try to get these grazing bison away from its nest when really, I mean, at the end of the day, the bison didn't mind, mind at all that it was, that it was doing that. I mean, it just kept grazing and eventually walking over the bird and making its way down the valley. So that was one of those things that, I mean, you just don't, you just don't think you're going to see it. And it's so small, but at the same time, it's so spectacular. Like you see something like that and it's, I mean, I thought it was a piece of trash driving by and I was going to jump out and go grab it. And then I pulled over in a pullout and stopped and looked and was like, that's a bird. That's not a piece of trash. And it's just kind of, kind of screeching and acting like its wings are broken. And yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't do much to dismay the bison from removing themselves from the, the <laughs> nesting area, but it, it was cool. something. So that's really cool. And then, uh, what, I see a big tripod back there with a fluid head. What are you shooting with today or nowadays? The first professional camera setup that that I purchased was was almost three years ago. I shoot with a Canon C300 Mark III and a Sigma 60 to 600 millimeter telephoto lens. The fluid head I'm using behind me, as you can see, it's a, it's a Sackler fluid head with aluminum legs, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's turned out to be a, a really, really great camera for me, especially just teaching myself or when I mean, I'm always learning, continuing to teach myself um, how to hopefully just just shoot pro cinema. I mean, I it's great. So, yeah, it's a Canon C300 Mark III with an expansion unit, 60 to 600, the fluid head behind me and. And I use a Zacuto Z Finder now. I, I have a monitor too that I that I use. And aside from that, it's a larger monitor. But yeah, it's proven to be a, a really great setup, and it's really proven to to help me grow along the way and just familiarize myself with with 
different gear that's completely foreign opposed to using like a handheld camcorder or uh you know or just a canon tx50 or uh <laughs> you know so yeah it was a, it was an extremely large jump i jumped from a handheld camcorder that i was using on a a spotting scope tripod to this a few years ago and the learning curve that came with that was it was interesting i mean you're gonna do it wrong and you will do it wrong um but with enough with enough dedication and determination to figure out what you have and, and learn how to use it and, and apply it to to shooting out in the field i mean it's it's just what you got to do did you watch that series uh america the beautiful with that bear series that doug gardner shot have you had a chance to watch that yeah and that was incredible that was shot on that sigma yeah that 60 to 600 it's incredible yeah and the the 60 to 600 i have heard it from many but i literally if done right cannot tell a difference in between using that lens and the cn20 and in set circumstances, I mean, it's an incredible lens. And to anybody out there that is looking looking towards purchasing just a universal lens that's that's great for filming wildlife or even or even taking photos, I would highly recommend it. It's a heavily used lens by many, you know, in the industry and and just just all over the place. And I think it's gotten to be one of the it's got to be one of the more popular lenses out there. It's the poor man CN twenty. The poor man CN twenty and. To tell you the truth, I mean it's incredible. I I will use that lens certainly for a lens just like it. I want to make sure I always have one. And I'll probably use it for the rest of my life. It's it's I love it. Did they just announce like a new one? Or it was on the Sony Rumors page today, or officially announced new Sigma sixty to six hundred. They may have made the the Sony mount finally. No, I don't believe they had that one yet. Yeah. But I think we heard something where they might be coming out with a, one that's a little bit lighter. Maybe it was a just different construction or something. But no matter what, it's awesome. And the gear you're using is perfect. And the name of the game for you right now and for anybody is just to learn how to tell those stories. You know, the whole Sandpiper thing is awesome. I mean, how many people, people that spend time in the woods, you, you see them all the time and you see that behavior and you kind of know what's going on, but there's a huge portion of the population that has no idea. You know, they legitimately think that that bird is actually hurt. Right. So if you can go out there and tell that story in, in a sequence type situation where you can get your wides and your mediums and your tight and the interaction between two different animals and, I mean, if you can do that, then you definitely have a future in this business, right? I sure hope so. Um, you know, it's and, and talking and getting to meet Doug, um, such a cool thing. And what he shot on America the Beautiful was just, it was spectacular. It's just stuff like that that's, I mean, amazing. And, you know, telling a story for me is, I'm starting to figure out, it's the reason I love to do it so much, or I, or I started figuring this out probably like a year and a half ago, just because people that can't be out there or people that might not be able to spend enough time out there, even if they want to, like they should be able to still see that too. And and they should still be able to, even if it's just on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or, or any social media platform, I mean, I think it's just, it's so important um, from an educational standpoint 
and just just as like a, a wildlife lover and even if you just like nature or hiking or whatever it is and, and you like watching documentaries or or tv shows i just think it's i think it's so special especially when it's something that i mean people spend so much time looking for or trying to get or or trying to shoot and they and they never do and then eventually it slips up and then you can share it with so many different people instead of instead of just just yourself or the people that were standing next to you at the time that were lucky enough to witness it so it's kind of like the bears this spring that I shot you know I never I never thought that I would see something like that in Yellowstone just because it was I mean it, it was so spectacular I mean you and and it's seen you know, I'm sure just like it in different areas and different different places in the world. But in, in Yellowstone, I think that's what made it so so special for me was, I mean, you're getting to see two bears in, in, in courtship and, and mating. And it's, you know, the boars cuddling with the sow and then they're rolling over and they're wrestling with each other and then chasing each other through a snowfield and, you know, all these crazy things. So, I mean, that's what I do it for is just the the stuff that, I mean, you can't even you can't even put a price tag on it. It's just special to be there and be there and be able to experience it for yourself. I forgot that we went and had dinner with Doug. I totally forgot about that. But Doug was, uh, he had left his truck at my house because he was going back to South Carolina. He didn't want to drive to South Carolina and then drive back here because he's got to go back to Montana. And the night he dropped my truck off or his truck off, I called up. Brandon and I called up Tanner and I said, Hey, let's go to dinner with Doug. And you guys know Doug. I mean, you've listened to him enough on the podcast. He's got a million stories, right? So we went over what should have been like an hour long <laughs> dinner ended up being three hours of Doug telling his stories of everything from, I don't know, stories about the queen of England to whatever. I mean, it was just the, the whole story. I mean, every, it was, it was awesome. It was just a lot of fun. And I'm taking his Metamucil advice. I mean, <laughs> after seeing that the other day, I was like, man, he's got it figured out. I mean, how else are you going to stand in the swamp and and, and not be able to move days. and be very flexible all day filming black bears without it? Like, Well, for those that haven't heard it, go. He was on the podcast. Go listen to it. It was episode 236. And what a story of just perseverance yes 42 days for six minutes right so yeah what a story uh i have a question for you though tanner so you're taking all this footage right you're filming what are you doing with it are you posting it to social media are you posting it to youtube or instagram are you just kind of sitting on it and enjoying it for yourself what do you do with it right now i'm kind of just uh I've just been really accumulating as much as I possibly can and kind of hiding it in a sense. I've been working with it and I've been, been editing what I can. And, um, you know, I, I haven't put anything on social media in over a year, but I am planning on uh, finishing some projects and, and putting them on Vimeo, um, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, what have you, anything and everything I can to, to show everybody all the, all the cool things I've been experiencing and, and, and getting to witness. And, you know, there's a couple projects that I'm currently putting together that I just, I'm really excited to show everybody just to, just to tell, tell a story and to get people to hopefully appreciate, appreciate a lot, you know, just 
just continue to appreciate is a better way of putting it um, the natural world and the wildlife we share it with. So, so going back to our wild and exposed homework and our almost this week's theme is almost awesome wildlife shots. And I know you're, you're, you're a film guy, you're a video guy, uh, but are there any sequences or, I mean, you heard us discuss the, the criteria for this. Are there any things that come to mind readily that you're just like, Oh, that would have been almost awesome. There's certainly, is. or do you just nail it every time? <laughs> no, um, I, I wish, um, if I did, I'd, I'd probably be a lot further than I am right now, but yeah, I, not at all. One thing that does come to mind is it was in the fall of 2020. It was right after a grizzly bear had just taken down a, a six by six bull elk in the Yellowstone river. It was probably eight days after it happened and I was there on location shooting and there ended up being two bears after eight days that visited the carcass, which was incredible because I mean, it was practically at that time. I mean, this, I mean, this went on for almost two weeks, but it, it ended up being literally just skull antler and hide at the end of it. And two of these bears ended up, well, both of them, the one that took down the, the six by six and, and his rival that ended up coming in and taking over, gotten an altercation. And it happened so, so fast. I remember the the carcass was up on the bank of the Yellowstone and down in the water, the bear that had taken down the elk was in the river and the bear that had taken it from him was up on the bank with the carcass. And and the bear that took it down was kind of just inching in um, and, and, and waiting um, through the water to try to see how close he could get because he'd already been run off a few times by by this, this older, more experienced bear that had a little more grit than he did, which is hard to believe considering, you know, he's the one that uh, took that soul. But I just remember that bear shot down the hill into the river so fast, I missed it. And I mean, it, it was hard to, to gain my bearings because I mean, all it was was splashing and water flying. And, and I mean, just the screams. And just how loud they were, I was amazed. You could feel it in your chest. Who was screaming? The bears. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like screaming at each other over, you know, their prize. And it was over much faster than, than you'd expect. It, it never came to like a latch or, or like um, a total just, just fight. But it was enough to really, it could have made something really cool, but... I mean, at the end of the day, what can you do? Well, you could have had an Olympus. <laughs> yeah, I could have. Um, speaking yeah. of, I wish my camera had pre-record. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> speaking of pre-record, Canon, you need to get on that. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, can we pick on that a little bit, though? In order to do the pre-record, don't you have to have a half shutter press on it? Yeah. Yeah, so you still have to be sitting on your tripod with a shutter half pressed, right? Well, or so you're still or on you're your still phone. sitting there like <laughs> wireless connection with your you're phone. You're you're scrolling YouTube and oh, 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 OK, there you go. Boom. Got it. Check. Going home. But it's but it's not like a pre-record where it's no, like it's running. Not. No, it gives you it gives you like you can get like, well, it's fast enough. You get like the 50 shots from before you push the button. But you do have to have it. You have to tell it to be doing that. 
it's not but it's that like smart. 30 frames a second isn't it it's really yeah it's pretty fast so you got two seconds of pre-record yeah what else do you do <laughs> you need I a get, red though. i get 10 <laughs> i get 10 with the red right now <laughs> speaking of all, so here's the deal that that goes into that though i think you know you're getting a degree in biology you also are spending tons of time in the woods very very few people can be ready for that type of behavior. I think there's a certain part of the population of wildlife cinematographers that are, they see that behavior. Drew could probably figure that out pretty quickly. He spent so much time around bears that when you see just some of those signals that they're giving off, you just have that, okay, something's going to go down. I better be ready or be a wide enough shot where you're like, I'm just hitting record because I'm just going to get a wide because it's impossible to follow a bear just running a million miles a minute. But you spending the time out there is what it takes. So with that, what advice do you have for young photographers or videographers that want to get into this business? Um, what advice do you have for them? The advice that I have, just do it. I mean, just no matter what anybody says, um, even if it's it's your parents or I mean, because at the end of the day, it's going to get expensive depending on how obsessed and, and in love with it you really are. Who cares what anybody says? Just go out there and do it and put in the effort and, and put the time in and, and find something that you like to shoot and, and an area you like to be in. Really, it, it boils down to, I think, just caring with me, at least. I mean, I have literally gotten so obsessed with it that. I mean, it's it's only been a couple of years, and it's a, a, a hobby that's certainly just spiraling and going to continue to spiral out of control. I think that, you know, don't let anybody get your get your hopes down or anything either, or or, or knock you off the the rock you're trying to you're trying to get on top of. Because I mean, there's a lot of people out there that that are gonna do it and are gonna try. And really, it's it's just. If you haven't made up in your mind that this is what you want to do and this is what you're going to do and this is what you care about doing and love doing and you're passionate about doing, then don't let anybody stop you. Not even yourself. I mean, who cares? Go out there, spend the time in the field, learn how to use new equipment, immerse yourself around people that you might be fearful of talking to or introducing yourself to the first time or or getting to know um, because they have nicer equipment than you do or because they're busy shooting or whatever it might be. I mean, get out there and get to know new people. And um, really, I mean, that comes with just being in the field. And I mean, there's so many, so many benefits to being in the field, especially, especially in a national park or anywhere. I mean, not only do you have the, the potential of filming something, you know, really cool. And even if it's not really cool, I mean, there's so many people that, that you can surround yourself by that might know more than you. And, you know, you can just learn things and take things from them, even if it's just, you know, taking notes visually and looking at people's setups and how they did things and how they're using things. And, you know, maybe, I mean, even just movement, different positions they're taking to get certain shots. And, you know, I, I truthfully believe it just boils down to, I mean, you got to love it and you got to want to do it and you got to be obsessed with it because if you're not, I mean, there's going to be the low points and I, I have them every day and 
you know, I have them all the time. Um, you're going to do things wrong. I do. I do every day. I do. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But with every, every failure is a success in my eyes, because now you know better. And now you know what you can do to hopefully make something better to apply the next day to get what you're looking for, especially if something like that incredible happens. Um, yeah, at the time with, with the bear, the bear thing, I was, I was kind of beating myself up and, you know, of course you are. Um, it was one of the first times my C300 was out in the field too. learn how to use your equipment before you take it out into the field, <laughs> like the back of your hand. Um, don't, don't just take it out into the field, uh, when two bears are on a, on a carcass, because then you might miss something cool. But I did get some brownie points. I, speaking of Bob, I did, I did remember to, to swing by him after that had happened and, and everything was gone and ask him if he got it and he missed it too. So <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel a little better, but yeah, I mean, such a legend. And I mean, that guy is the living, walking, breathing example of what I'm talking about. He outworks everybody. That's why he's received the shots he's gotten solely due to just, I mean, just, so much hard work and so much time and energy and the hours and and just just all this time out in the field and you know he he has some shots that'll never be rivaled um due to just the passion and love that he has for just doing it and being out there and exposing himself to to what could happen and i mean just look at the incredible things that he's been able to show so many people and 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 these stories he's been able to tell it's it's amazing and i love it and um yeah he's he's certainly i mean in in my opinion one of the the greatest wildlife cinematographers of all time i mean i view his work as kind of it's perfect i mean it's there's in my eyes nothing's wrong with any of it just because i mean he's he's such a great shooter and he's done so much to to do that and it started by just picking up a camera and going out into the field and making a habit out of it and falling in love with it and continuing to do that until it just, it just took him, took him so, so, so far. So yeah, hats off to him. He's, he's an incredible man and has done so many incredible things. So I always say it's like panning for gold. If you really love it, you, and you get bitten by the bug, it's, you never, you never get enough. You want to go find that next nugget. You just, it's just something that, I got to get that next shot. I got to get that next, be in that next position, be in that next situation. Right. And it's just, you just thrive on it. Right. And it's kind of like an adrenaline rush too. You know, when you get something that you're like, well, something's happening and you can get out and you throw your setup on the sticks and uh, you take off and, and uh, turn the camera on and you start shooting. I mean, I mean, there's just endless potential of now I know what it is, but what's going to happen. And okay. I mean, it might not be anything incredible and it might not be anything at all. I mean, whatever it was could have left or, or whatever it was, but I mean, you never know what's around the next corner and you never know what you're going to find and you never know what could happen and where it could happen quite literally. So just being out in the field and spending as much time out in the field as possible, it's, you're going to be shocked with what you see and what you come across. Um, just like the grizzly bear and the bull elk in the Yellowstone, that happens 200 yards off the road in the middle of the river. 
I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, wolves chasing elk across the roads or, or anything. I mean, kind of like what Ben was talking about on his last podcast um, with the mountain lion that he filmed or on the, the podcast that, that you guys had been on with the, the cat that he, he came across on on that road in Big Ben. Like, you just never know, never know what you're going to find. So We've been at this for an hour and 44 minutes now. Is there anything that you guys have that you want to ask Tanner before we sign off? No, it just sounds like you're you're already doing a good job beating the big guns out into the woods. Yeah, I tell him all the time. I'm like, you're so far ahead of everybody else. I wouldn't <laughs> even worry about it. He's already put himself in the right position. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I love doing it. I mean, and spend time with you guys is is great too because I mean it's it's the same thing. Even if it's if it's not always being out in the field, I mean, you're still always learning something and doing something that that's going to be beneficial towards yourself at the end of the day and others. So I had one last thing. Um, we had Casey Anderson on the podcast. I don't know how many episodes ago, three or four or whatever. I recently was driving and I had to listen to a podcast. So I pulled up one of his cause I hadn't listened to any of them. And he has a story in there about getting, well, I think the episode is getting lost is what they call it. But and it's kind of dry at the first part. I stuck through it and I got to the the story and it's so awesome. So if you guys are out there, you, the best way to find out about podcasts is for someone to tell you about it. So I just wanted to tell our audience, go check out this podcast. It's called Sidetracked with Casey Anderson. And I think on the podcast, he talked about changing the name, but I just pulled it up and it's still called Sidetracked. So I don't know if he's going to keep that or not, but I had Brandon. Brandon was over the other day at the office here and he was listening to that, that particular episode and it was, it'll put you on the edge of your seat and it's about getting lost in bear country. And it's just a really cool, cool episode to listen to. I don't want to ruin it, but it's so good. (laughs) Like there's just these moments where you're like, how and, and why? And I've done these same things. (laughs) So like, I don't know. (laughs) Go listen to it. It's a good story. Okay, with that, let's sign off, and uh, hopefully next week we'll have Jason and Ron back. And what's our next uh, guest that we got lined up? Ooh, I got some good ones. Let's see. We got Christy Odom on the uh, 31st. That's the next scheduled one. And then I just heard from Cynthia Bandurek. She is a macro photographer out of Costa Rica. But we got good ones coming up. Got good ones coming up. Really excited about it. Drew, do you have anything before we sign off? Nope, I think it started to snow here, so my time lapse is shot. I do have one more. Oh, go ahead. Uh, those limited edition shirts and hoodies, those are still out on the website under the shop. So go check those out on the Wild and Exposed shop. We're not going to keep those up all year, um, so get those while they last. But we're also going to try and get another one up there, I think. A different design, maybe. Yeah, we got an order the other day, and I was all excited because we got an order just recently and I looked at it and it was my mom (laughs) and I was down there visiting her for her birthday and I'm like what are you doing buying that she's like well uh I we needed a few more hats so I just bought some I'm like mom I've got hats in the truck she's like oh well it's okay (laughs) amazing yeah so Tanner thanks so much for being on the podcast and uh I think you're, like I said, you're totally
totally hitting on all cylinders. You're in the right spot. Yeah, you might have those down days, but that comes with the territory, and I don't care what you do. You're going to have down days. You are in the right position, and for your age, you're going to kill it. Well, thanks for having me, you guys, and, and thank you so much for the kind words. It, it really means a lot to me. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review, and make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make it someday Nothing's gonna get in our way We will be the biggest band in town Mm -mm. Round and round the world we'll go